Warning, All Things Crime is a true crime production that may contain violent or disturbing material. Viewer or listener discretion is advised. At some junction, there has to be a trigger that's pulled and, and everybody says, well, this is next level stuff. I need to start bringing in expertise that I currently don't have. Is yeah, there so a, I would say to begin, a, yeah, yeah, when you don't know what you're looking at, when you're seeing something and there's some aspect about it that you cannot wrap your head around where you're going, I've never seen this before. Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen this. Someone must have seen it. Usually I'm the guy that's seen it. That's what I'm there for. I'm the guy that's seen it. Right. Uh, I'm not the guy who made the cool arrest and ran really fast in the academy and was the best shot. That's not me. That was probably you guys and that's awesome, but I'm the guy who's seen it. So when you're looking at something, then you, you don't know what to make of it. Uh, then come to me. Uh, if you haven't done that and you get down the line and you're stuck, then come to me too, right? Maybe you do think that you've understood what you've seen, but now you've gone, I don't know, weeks, months, years into this particular investigation and you just can't get anywhere. Well, what is the harm in bringing in someone like myself? I mean, I'll do it pro bono. For me, this is my uh, charity, right? I'm not asking for money. Just hit me up. If, take me out for a coffee. Have a conversation with me. See if you like me. See if you trust me. And when you realize that you do, uh, I'll take a look at that. And I'll tell you straight up. I'll, I'll be like, I don't know either. I, um, but most of the time, I'll be able to say, I think that this would be a good direction to go in. You know, have you tried that? Is this possible? What of this? What of that? Because I know about this case here and I know about this one. And I've talked to enough victims' families and, and enough people that are still involved with whether they're active on social media, you know, keeping their their loved ones' uh, memory alive, you know, whatever. They never fully, even when the case is solved, they never fully understand or and and they never fully heal. So solving the case is just part of it. Helping society as a whole, I think, is is equally important, and that's. That's why I think society needs to understand and needs to appreciate what guys like you and other law enforcement professionals go through in order to solve these cases, because it's a Herculean effort, especially on some of these cold cases that in, yeah. in order to get these things solved and for anybody to be ungrateful for that, to me, just doesn't doesn't resonate. I, I just can't quite comprehend it. Well, yeah, a caveat. Uh, what I do particularly has suffered from a lot of charlatans, uh, you know, because there are a lot of people that will pretend to be profilers that will pretend to have training and it's nonsense. And there are people that overstep their boundaries, people whose names you've heard of, people who you've seen on TV, people whose autobiographies you've read and gone, wow, man, that guy's cool. And they inflate themselves and their abilities. And, you know, the general public might get solved on that, but law enforcement knows better and they get skeptical of people like myself. So let me just start by saying that uh, I am one of the, and I, 
I am not looking for you to respond with a no, you're not. I'm actually one of the least useful people uh, <laughs> until, until I'm the most useful person. And I have seen cases where they're like, yeah, this was a Mexican cartel vengeance crime against this prostitute you know we haven't been able to solve it and i'm like well yeah because it's not a mexican cartel <laughs> vengeance crime against this prostitute would you like me to lead you through 30 other crimes that look exactly like this that have never been committed committed by the mexican cartel right mm. I had another one it was so clearly a serial killer or lust murderer type offender and they thought it was the victim's son. And all these years later, they're going, it's the son, it's the son, it's the son. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying that there aren't weird homicides where children do horrific things to their parents. They're very few and far between. But what you're seeing here isn't one of them. Mm. So if you want to keep chasing that something and looking for evidence to fit your theory, go ahead. This case will stay cold forever. That's probably the best case scenario if you follow that path path worst case scenario is you're gonna drum up evidence on that son and he's gonna go to prison or stand trial or something like that for something that he didn't do. So like I said, I'm at the end of the line. A lot of the cases you can solve without me. But when you get stuck, you definitely want me to take a look at it because you could really think it's this and it's something else. And, you know, I'm not always defaulting to sex crime either, right? Sometimes someone can look at something and be like, you know, they've heard a word. So the one I get a lot is picarism. I happen to know a lot about picarism. Picarism is essentially, it's a paraphilic signature activity where um, somebody gets off on stabbing somebody else. But picarism has sort of three qualities to it that I've identified. And I would say you need at least two of the three qualities to identify picarism. So the wounds tend to be shallow. So that's number one, clustered and in erogenous zones, right? But then someone hears picarism and then they see someone who's been stabbed a bunch of times that don't fit any of those criteria. And they're like, yeah, it's a sexual homicide. It's a, it's a picarist. And it's like, why? Because they were stabbed. You know, that's not what picarism looks like. And then I'll pull up, this is what picarism looks like. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. I mean, Susanna Ryan, who we've, you know, our mutual friend and acquaintance who uh, she's head of uh, forensics with ASOC now. And she just went to one of my lectures and she paid attention on the picarism thing. And that actually really worked out just her learning from me. And she was working on this case in a DNA analyst capacity and she said, Lee, they're looking at this guy as doing it, but I don't think it's him because this looks like picarism to me. And here I'm thinking like, oh, why, Susanna? Because the person was stabbed. And then she sent it and I <laughs> went, you've been paying attention. You know, you could do this. That is a textbook example of picarism. So, you know, um, that would be evidence once again, theoretically, I could go to court and I could give my expert testimony saying, no, no, I don't think this guy did this because that is something you'd see in a stranger homicide and, and linking crimes too. It's, uh, yeah, there's stuff that I, there's stuff I know that I just, I, it's almost like I can't seem to teach other people. It's, it's annoying. I hope, I hope it gets across to some of them, but necrophilic crimes right yeah. so people hear necrophilia 
they think, oh, that's when you have sex with a dead body. It's like sometimes, but it's really more um, from getting any kind of sexual gratification involving doing something to a dead body, right? Mm -hmm. Which could Mm -hmm. be intercourse or it could be mutilating that. And you see that frequently. Like if you look at Jeffrey Dahmer, he mutilated more corpses than he had sex with. And, you know, sometimes he would just have sex with them. Um, Most of the time he would mutilate them. And most of the time he would mutilate them and have sex with them. But sometimes he would just mutilate them. And then the thing is the, the mutilation of the corpse in itself can be sexually arousing as can uh, posing a corpse in a certain way that mirrors a fantasy. And that people think of these as all separate activities And so there's a few cases where crimes haven't been linked because they're like, well, this guy mutilated his victim, but he didn't have sex with the body. And this victim over here, they had sex with the body afterwards. It's like, okay, it could be the same guy because it's it's about the dead body. It's the Mm -hmm. necrophilia spectrum. And yeah, just trying to get that into people's heads, even right after you teach them it's a real challenge to get them to understand that. Well, of course. I mean, that's, that's such an area, again, of narrow expertise that you carry. In some ways, I relate with it because being w- with MBAC, the way that you are at the end of a, uh, of a cold case investigation or, or review mm-hmm. is kind of the way that I'm at the end of a, like a, a physical examination for DNA. You know, there's there's lots of things that are going to happen when you're evaluating evidence for DNA that likely is not going to initially involve the MBAC. But it, just like you, uh, when you need the MBAC, you really need it. And, yeah. and, and I think part of the expertise and part of my responsibility to educate people on what the MBAC can do, where it's appropriate, where it's not, is one of those things that, yeah, you may not need my system all the time. But yeah. believe me, it's like a bear cat is kind of the, <laughs> the example that I use. It's like, Please don't use bear cats very often and hopefully le- much less than they ever need to. But <laughs> when you need it, you really need it. Yeah. And, and you better have access to it when you do. But understanding when you need it, I think, yeah. is 90% of the battle. And that's, you know, at what junction do you tell detectives, hey, this is when you need to kick it up to the next level of expertise? Because like you said, what, you have those run-of-the-mill homicides, if you will. I'm Mike Morford, and I've been researching the Zodiac case for years. Zodiac, just the name. It sounds sinister. It inspires fear. The fact that a serial killer would give himself this moniker is disturbing. He would go on to taunt police by sending letters and codes to newspapers for years. And the attacks, they were something else altogether. If you were a young couple in a secluded area you could easily be a target. And it wasn't just shootings on dark lovers' lanes. Zodiac would even attack with a knife in broad daylight while wearing an executioner-style hood. After a while, Zodiac changed tactics, and even lone cab drivers weren't safe. The Zodiac killer terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area and then vanished, but he left a lot of clues behind along the way. Clues that we're going to examine closely on the new podcast, Zodiac Speaking. New episodes of Zodiac Speaking come out every other Saturday starting March 13, 2021. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Mm-hmm. Where they can be solved based on just physical evidence. And a lot of times the detectives are, are looking more for 
how can I get this guy convicted as opposed to the concept of how can I actually solve this case? But at some junction, there has to be a trigger that's pulled and, and everybody says, well, this is next level stuff. I need to start bringing in expertise that I currently don't have. Is yeah, there so a, I would say to begin, a, yeah, yeah, when you don't know what you're looking at, when you're seeing something and there's some aspect about it that you cannot wrap your head around where you're going, I've never seen this before. Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen this. Someone must have seen this. Usually I'm the guy that's seen it. That's what I'm there for. I'm the guy that's seen it. Right. Uh, I'm not the guy who made the cool arrest and ran really fast in the academy and was the best shot. That's not me. That was probably you guys. And that's awesome. But I'm the guy who's seen it. So when you're looking at something, then you, you, you don't know what to make of it. Uh, then come to me. Uh, if you haven't done that and you get down the line and you're stuck, then come to me too, right? Maybe you do think that you've understood what you've seen, but now you've gone, I don't know, weeks, months, years into this particular investigation and you just can't get anywhere. Well, what is the harm in bringing in someone like myself? I mean, I'll do it pro bono. For me, this is my uh, charity, right? I'm not asking for money. Just hit me up. If, take me out for a coffee. Have a conversation with me. See if you like me. See if you trust me. And when you realize that you do, uh, I'll take a look at that. And I'll tell you straight up. I'll, I'll be like, I don't know either. Um, but most of the time, I'll be able to say, I think that this would be a good direction to go in. You know, Have you tried that? Is this possible? What of this? What of that? Because I know about this case here and I know about this one and I don't think you focused enough on that. So mm -hmm. initially when you don't know what, what you're looking at and then if you get stuck and then finally every cold case and that's where you and I think I think there's a commonality is with cold cases. You know, unless maybe it's, um, you know, a sniper attack or something, you know, MVAC might not be so useful with that one. And mm -hmm. there's probably some cold case, like missing people. I'm, I'm not really all that useful in some missing persons cases, but generally cold cases, I think you need Jared Bradley and his MVAC and you need Lee Miller and his uh, dark vision <laughs> almost, you know, I'd say 99% yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah. No, cold cases are cold for a reason. Yeah. And that's, that's because the standard run of the mill uh, evidence avenues have all uh, not produced what they needed to find. And so once, once the detectives who are experts at running down leads. And, mm. and that's that's really what those guys are are fully trained to do. But there's times when, you know, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how, like on my side, it doesn't matter how well a, a crime scene investigator is trained. If they physically can't get DNA off of a piece of evidence, and yeah. yet everybody agrees that there has to be DNA there based on the, the scenario that they have, you know, all the other all the other pieces of evidence points to a shirt or a rock or something like that. And they said, I'm positive DNA is there. Mm. We just can't physically get it. That's when hopefully they will understand that there's a, a machine out there that can get it. Mm -hmm. And on the same sense, on your side, I look at you and I say, you know, you, you kind of downplay. And I, I know this because I know who you are and, and the type of person you are, that you're going to obviously downplay your own expertise and, and value 
within the cold case structure. But at the same time, you look at it and you say, yeah, you may be at the end. And a lot of these cold cases that like ASOC is evaluating may not get to you. But if it ever does get to you, thank the Lord that you're there because you may be the only reason that that case is solved. Yeah, I think it comes down to something like this is that murder and sex assault cases and like the most severe, all crimes, but really the most severe ones, they're time sensitive and what's at stake is large. So time sensitive and large. And so you might have a policeman or, you know, an investigator or something like that who's saying, no, I'm going to solve this. I don't need other people or the fancy gadgets or, oh, so what? You got a doctor in front of your name? Like, what are you going to like cure my, you're going to cure me when I'm sick? Like, get out of here. You're not a real doctor, all that crap. Right. And they're like, no, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to solve this. And sometimes the smartest thing you can do, like what makes you good at being an investigator or a detective is asking for somebody who can help. Like it's just look at MVAC or look at myself and my training as another resource. Why would you not drop on a resource? That's what a smart investigator would do. And one of the reasons that you solve the case is because you're smart enough to ask that person instead of be stubborn, right? I'll give a metaphor. Okay. Maybe you're not very handy, but you're like, damn it, I'm going to build my kid's treehouse. And there can at first be something noble in that, right? So you go, all right, build the treehouse. And you think you've got it all together and you get halfway and you go, oh, damn it, I put it together wrong. And you take it down again. And then maybe there's something okay with trying to then build it once more. My point is at some point, if you keep building the treehouse wrong and tearing it down without asking someone who's built a treehouse before or someone who can just pinpoint this is what you're doing wrong. By the time you've built the treehouse, if you ever have built the treehouse, your kids are going to be full grown and they will have left <laughs> home and it's time sensitive and it's heavy. So while I can respect the urge and the desire to go out there and no, I'm going to handle this. At some point you have to realize it's bigger than you and it's bigger than you and me, Jared. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's bigger than the, than any individual. It's uh, it, it's bigger than our aggregate. And so, like I said, the smartest thing, the way that you prove that you are up to the job of being a great detective is when you can't build that tree house, you come to terms with it and you ask for someone who's a carpenter or what do they call those tree people? Arborealists or something like that. Right. Uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It, it's sure. not weakness to draw upon a resource. I, I think you nailed it on the head there where you say that the truly amazing detective is going to be the one that actually says, you know what? I'm going to start reaching out to the right people and I'm going to have them help me. Yes, I'm going to be the quarterback on this field still, but, you know, bringing in a better receiver or bringing in better linemen in order to get the job done is just smart. It's, it's, not, yep. it's not a weakness on your part. And the whole concept of the dragon slayer that goes out there just with his own shield and, and sword and 
and goes out there and, and destroys every dragon that, that ever existed. Yeah. That's a fantasy. And it, it is just, it just in real life, things just don't happen that way. So are all dragons the same? Right. Sometimes you're fighting a sea snake and you think it's a dragon, right? Right. <laughs> we could go on for days here, but I, I think the best thing to do is let, let's, let's end this, end this here. And then we can always have a, uh, Dr. Lee Meller episode two on here and uh, we can we can talk about some other things but before I let you go honestly mm-hmm. with all of your experience there has to be something in here and and I, I like to do this to kind of lighten things up you know, I mean we've been talking about some pretty heavy stuff here so we have think think about something that <laughs> has been really humorous about some of the maybe a, a particular case or, a, or an okay. interaction that you had that you know, you tell it, you, we just went through Thanksgiving. And so, uh, if you're going to, well, I guess you're Canadian and British. And so yeah, you, you know, uh, close enough, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, over, yeah. Uh, we're all on the same team here though. But so think about, uh, some kind of a funny story that people are always asking you to tell. So if you wanted to really get a chuck, you know, get a chuckle out of the, the audience that's listening to this, give me a, give me an example of one of the funny things that you've experienced. There's been quite a few, but when I went to see a certain serial killer, I had been told by the police officer who had arrested him, you know, he's smarter than you think. He comes across as a bit of a thug, but he actually quoted Robert Frost, the poet Robert Frost. And, you know, he called on the phone and he said, the woods are lovely, dark and deep miles to travel before I sleep. And I was like, hmm, that's really interesting. You know, this particular guy, he's sort of a, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's a working class black guy, claims to have been associated with the Crips, drug user, school dropout. You wouldn't think that this would be someone that was familiar with Robert Frost. So that really stood out to me. Like, And the thing, too, I also knew he was a psychopath, so you want to always appeal to their sense of ego. So I put that in my pocket. You know, remember, he knows Robert Frost, and that's what makes him special. And so I went in there with him, and he was going on. Sometimes they get really boring, believe it or not. (laughs) And he's going on, nobody comes and visits. And I don't understand why it's like, you know, you're sitting there thinking, yeah, why wouldn't they be visiting you, <laughs> you psycho, right? And and so I'm trying to rein them back in and I'm like, okay, so rein them back in with the your interesting fish hook, right? And I go, but listen, man, like it's kind of messed up that people define you by just what, like the hour of your life that you spent hurting people. I mean, yeah, that's bad, but at the same time, you've got all these other years in your life where you've done other stuff and like you're an educated man, right? I heard that you know Robert Frost, that you quote poetry, that you have an interest in poetry. And he was sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of avoided it. And so I, I, I waited a bit and I tried the hook again. I said, yeah, but once again, like Robert Frost, you know, that's, that says to me that there's more about you. And he goes... I don't know no Robert Frost, man. I was watching the Charlie Bronson movie and some motherfucker said it on the phone and I just thought it sounded cool. 
And uh, I just started laughing. I said, but it did sound cool. And everyone in the room <laughs> cracked up. And then I have an audio recording that was completely unrehearsed. It just something that happened in time where, where two things coincided, where there's me and this serial killer both at the same time saying, the woods are lovely, dark, and deep. Mouse to travel before I sleep, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, for the people that can actually envision in their minds sitting in one of those interrogation rooms with a some kind of a psychopathic serial killer type <laughs> reciting Robert Frost. Oh, that's a crack up. Right. And then re realizing, you know, thinking that that's my ace in the hole. Like this is where maybe we can meet is the Robert Frost. You know, this is what makes, and then him just like turning it into, you know, turning the steak into McDonald's just being like, <laughs> I just heard it on a Charlie Bronson movie, man. And I was like, well, it was pretty cool sounding. And then everyone just cracking up, you know, like, yeah. because it was yeah. like, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, that's why they used it in the movie in the first place. Because it sounded cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a, what you perceiving as a very well-educated man and <laughs> turn him into some guy that was watching a Charles Bronson movie. Well, he did that. Yeah. <laughs> he was the, he could have lied to me and said, Oh yes, I've studied Robert Frost uh, intensely. I know all of his works. Of course I would have figured that out pretty quickly. But yeah. It was just, it's just and him I, leveling with me, you know, just so I did funny. that while I was at Harvard. <laughs> and this is the kind of guy that would tell you that he'd been to Harvard too, probably. So. Okay. <laughs> but no, and just that moment, him just being so frank. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, oh, that's a crack up. That's awesome. Well, hey, yeah. I, I appreciate your time, Lee. And uh, this has Pleasure been absolutely there. fascinating. You know, it, it's like I said, uh, we haven't really even gotten into any particular cases that you've that you've um, evaluated. And so I think at some junction, we, we need to do that. But sure. Uh, fascinating stuff. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And I think uh, the audience is really going to enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. Terrific. So I'll have to have you back too. It's been a blast, Jared, and hopefully we'll meet at a conference again sometime. Still waiting. Right. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.